words, how as seeds planted in our hearts, how those words can be watered and they spring up in the fruit of whatever those words are planted, whether they be positive or negative. And our scripture that we used as our basis for this came out of Matthew 13, and it is the parable of the sower. So I'm not going to go all the way through it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read when um, the disciples asked Jesus to explain to them the parable of the sower. And so I'm in Matthew 13, and um, I'm going to pick this up in verse 18. So Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sold what is sown. So in this whole series, what we've been talking about is the seeds that are sown in our hearts, whether they're sown by ourselves, whether they're sown by society, the world, our parents that are sown in our hearts. And we take those seeds and like these seeds that Jesus was talked about, they're implanted in our hearts. And as we continue to water them, they do grow and take root. So as we've been talking over the last few weeks, we talked about doing an exploration in terms of what are we saying about ourselves? What seeds have been planted either by others or society or the world or ourselves that have been running subconsciously and we believe and those beliefs dictate our behaviors which dictate our outcomes. So last week we um, got into what we were thinking, what we were saying about ourselves. And this week, what we want to do, which we feel is really cru- which is really crucial, we've been building on the past weeks, really leading up until this point. And this session is, what is God saying about you? Because what God says about us and what we believe about us really is foundational to our Christian walk. We've said before that there's two things that are foundational to our Christian walk, which is who God is, really what his word what his word reveals him to be, and who we are as those that have been created by God. So what's crucial about this week is we're going to start talking about the truth from God's word in terms of who we are. Because many times we have taken lies subconsciously and we have believed things about ourselves that didn't line up with the word of God. 
So I had an interesting conversation with um, one of the men in my group this week. And he was stuck in a place where there were some things that he had done, some wrongs that he had committed um, to his family that he couldn't seem to get past. And so what was interesting about it is I know this man very well. He's a good Christian man. He's a good father. He is um, a good member of the church. And he knows the word. But there was something going on inside of him to where these things that he had done to his family, he couldn't get past. And so we had a conversation, and through the conversation, we found out that there was a lie that he was believing. So there's a difference between knowledge and belief. You can know the word, but if you don't believe what the word says, right, there is a disconnect in what's going on in your life. And so this brother was stuck in this place where he couldn't get past. And so we had a conversation and said, okay, did you go to the Lord and did you confess that to the Lord and did you repent for that? And he said, yes, I did. I said, okay, did you go to the ones in your family that you hurt and did you confess that to them, ask them for forgiveness? Did they give you forgiveness? You know, and sometimes it doesn't, you don't have that opportunity, but he had that opportunity. He said, yes. And I said, okay, so what is it in you that cannot forgive yourself? Okay, I said, because the word is clear. You've gone to God and you've confessed your sins. You've confessed to the other one, to the person that you've harmed. So in God's eyes, you are no longer responsible for that. You have, you are clean. You are clear of those sins but he had a disconnect in that he was like yes I know that that's what the word says I've read that but that's what the word says but I'm still not able to get past that I still have the memories of that I still have the guilt of that I still have the shame of that and so as we talked a little further what we came to discover was he was holding on to a works mentality. That he knew God loved him, that he knew God had forgiven him, he knew that Christ had died on the cross for his sins. But somehow that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So there was a punishment that he was inflicting on himself because somewhere in his belief system that he had to do penance or somehow or another he had to pay for that wrong and so the so the understand the knowledge of the word knowing that if he confessed his sin he was free did not translate to his belief system and that is how it is for many of us. Many of us can be saved and be in a church for years, even decades, and have an underlying current running of a works mentality. 
if God knew what I did, if God knew what I was thinking, if God knew all the things that I did, there's no possible way that even though that I've read that God has unconditional love for me and that Jesus died on the cross for those things, yes, I've read them, I have a knowledge of them, but I don't carry a belief of them. So there is still a lie that we're believing. And for this brother, the lie was he still had a works mentality. Yes, I've read this and I have the knowledge of this, but I don't really have the belief of it. Can I add to that? One of the most difficult things about, um, about deception is that um, we, as Joe's pointed out, we never know we're being deceived, right, when we're under deception. Um, Isaiah 44, verse 20, talks about um, those who have deceived themselves by taking a block of wood and carving an image and going to the image that they've carved and bowing to the image and worshiping the image and cannot recognize that they are holding a lie in their hands, right? Whereas there is a God who's created you and I that we are aware of if we're not saved, if we don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if we do, that's the invitation. That's the, that's the entrance to relationship. But many of us park in the doorways. And we don't go any further into that relationship. And when we, when we resist either letting go of the lie, right? What we're doing is we're making that works, that works mentality that many of us came to faith through. Many of us came to faith through, uh, well, now you gotta go to church, now you gotta read the Bible every day, and, and, and now you gotta do, in addition to that, you gotta do things just so. Mm. And if you don't do these things just, whatever those things are, they're different for everybody. If you don't do them just so, you're not really saved. Mm -hmm. When we hold on to that and we don't go beyond the doorway of salvation into relationship in every area, in every room of our heart, what happens is we're holding on to idolatry. And it's not, it's not like the person, and, and I'll pick on Africa since I'm African, I can, I can do that you know, where we're accused of all of us being idolaters and we're pantheists, we, we carve these images and we bow to them and worship them and we think that there's power there. Um, it's not that graphic, but we have this thing that's sitting on our heart and it's as if it's a filter through which we're seeing God. And that in and of itself keeps us from the fullness that the Lord has for us in our identity, for us to hear God, see him, know him as he is, and for us to be able to then also reach across to our brother or our sister and speak well of them according to the word, let alone our mate that the Lord has given us. We're seeing those people through that filter of the lie that we have not yet been able to let go of until, as Joe 
was calling out. We're willing to have dialogue. We're willing to be honest and say, you know what, brother, sister, I've been a Christian X number of years, but I'm really having trouble. I'm really struggling with receiving that God has forgiven me in this area. Or I'm really struggling with believing that God can X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. It takes our willingness to be humble before one, one another, to be, um, to just be clear and share vulnerably what's going on with us for us to be able to receive that truth from God. So that scripture I was referring to is Isaiah 44, 20. He feeds on ashes, a deceived heart has turned him aside so that he cannot deliver his soul nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? But God would have us be delivered from whatever it is is holding us back. And that's why he touches on it. So in order to, in order to move forward in terms of really having the right type of seeds, we have to begin to look at ourselves and begin to go on a journey of what really are we believing? Not necessarily what we know, but what we are believing. Because what we are believing is critical to our behavior. Many times the issue that we have with the world is we come to the world with knowledge of who Christ is, of knowledge of who God is, but then our actions don't match up with who we say the God of the Bible is. And so when they look at us, it's interesting, hypocrites can point out hypocrites very easily. Mm -hmm. And when they look, they say, okay, well, here's the God you profess to know, here's the God you profess to believe, the problem is your actions are not lining up with what you believe. So this journey we're going to go on, and this journey is going to last a couple of weeks. We have to begin to, first of all, replace whatever lies we're believing with the truth of who God says we are. And on top of that, we need to strengthen and fortify any truth that we're believing that lines up with the truth of God. Mm -hmm. The reason why this is so critical is, as we talk later on in terms of being strategic, in terms of being able to speak life to others, speak life to ourselves, speak life to others, speak truth to others, if we don't understand what that is, mm -hmm. First of all, we can't live in it. Mm -hmm. And second of all, we can't speak it to others. Mm -hmm. And just like this brother I talked about, I talked about, when we finished the conversation, a light came on, so to speak, because he was able to see that what he didn't understand that was running subconsciously was that he was living by a works mentality. Mm and so we gave him some advice to help overcome that works mentality 
But you don't overcome a works mentality overnight. overnight. Mm -hmm. You don't overcome a works mentality by saying a few scriptures. And don't get me wrong, scripture is the key to overcoming that. Mm -hmm. Okay? But there's a journey now that that brother has to go on. There's a journey that he has to go on to replace the lies that he's been has been believing for so long with the truth. The same thing is going to be evident for all of us. Because just because we hear the truth doesn't automatically mean that we're living in it. We hear the truth all the time. We read the word, which is truth. But what's, what, why do we read the word that's truth, but when we look in our lives, we don't, many times, we don't see evidence of it? Could it be because we don't really believe what it is we're reading? Can I do it? I'm going to use you again. Okay. Let me have your glasses. Oh, please. Don't be <laughs> so we've been reading the word like this. And I better hold on to this podium, I'm just saying, okay? And you know what? If he puts mine on, he'll have to do the same. We've been reading the word like this because of whatever we came into Christ with, whatever it is that we learned when we first came into Christ because we got freedom, right, from whatever life we were living before. Then we step into Christ and we're like, we're free, but we're still reading the word through the lens, right, that is on our face, and then somebody speaks to us and somebody shares with us, oh my gosh, there's this thing called grace. Mm. And what does grace mean? Does it now mean that I have the freedom to do whatever I want to no. do and God sanctions it? Well, no. Does it mean that I have to stay like I got to I gotta go to church every time the doors are open and I got to be at every function? I mean, they're doing something. They're prepping for Christmas now. And they're also thinking about Easter and then, oh, yeah, and then there's Thanksgiving. And you know what? I got to forget my family because even though they want to come over on Thanksgiving, I got to be at church. Is that what that means? Yeah. All these different things that we believe have to be now filtered through the new lens of God's grace. And that means that when I reread from the Old Testament, please read the Old Testament, people. Too many folks nowadays don't want to read the Old Testament because they think God was big, bad, mean, and ugly. But that's not who God is. If you have the right lenses on, you can see God. You can hear him. And you can see that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those lies will fall away. They will literally crumble before you. So as we begin to go through these, uh, a couple of things I want to point out. I would highly suggest that on your device, piece of paper, whatever, you begin to write down these affirmations and declarations in terms of who God says you are. Because what you're going to need to do is you're really need, going to need to go on a deep, soul-searching journey to see, do I really believe? Do I really believe who God says that I am? Do I really have what God says that I have? Do I really believe it? Because again, many times is we say we do, 
but then our actions don't live up to what we say that we believe. And again, when you're going through that too, not condemning yourself when you mm -hmm. find something that you that Come doesn't on. line up in Come yourself. On. Exactly. And saying, okay, that's thank good. you for revealing that to me, Lord. Mm -hmm. How do I act it out? That, exactly. That's good. Thank and you. And what he brought up is very important because we all know that we have an enemy. If you think he's just going to lay by the wayside and allow you to acquire the things of God, you got mm. another thing coming. <laughs> you got another thing coming. All right? It's why Paul talks about spiritual warfare. Right? Jean? I very much appreciate the teaching that you're doing. I know Will's talking about self. Mm -hmm. But I also know in relationships, a lot of freedom that we get for ourselves is when we start to do and apply the same things. Uh -huh. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that when we're dealing with this person that mm -hmm. should know better, that that's the thought that we're looking equally. Mm -hmm. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. Okay. Ready? I, I want to just add scripture to what Alex pointed out. Mark nine twenty four. The man who had brought his child to Jesus, um, and he said, "If you can heal my son," and Jesus says, "If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." So he came with an "If you can," and Jesus came back to him with an "If you can believe." So Jesus didn't condemn him; he just pointed out the "if." And so what did the man respond? Almost all of us know it. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's that simple. We can ask him where there is that gap between what he says here and what we're thinking or seeing in our lives or what's being pointed out in our lives, right? By friends or family. And we're recognizing because we have on his lens that yes, there is a gap there. It's a matter of asking him because he's not, he doesn't want to condemn us because con condemnation doesn't get us closer to him. Mm -hmm. It puts another wedge between us. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to come away from being standing in that doorway to that place of intimacy. The first one is I am a child of God. Mm -hmm. I am a child of God. But to all those who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. It's John 1, 12. Do you really believe it? We know it. But do we really believe it? The second one. I am a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life. I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. John 15, 1 and 5. 
So again, do we really believe that? In our hearts, do we really believe that? I like what Gene said, and, and to touch on that just a little bit, um, is that the things that God does in our hearts, he does that so that we can do for others. So when I have, and we've talked about this before, when you see what's going on in the world, we've talked about, um, we talked about the story that one young man got killed for his tennis shoes, and the young man that killed him had no remorse. And looking at looking at that from the outside, you know, people will say, well, you know, he deserves it, and you know, blah blah blah, this and that. But when you look a little deeper and you look into many lives that end up in the way that his life, because now obviously he's in jail for the rest of his life, he was probably never valued. He probably had no self-worth. And a matter of fact, when a reporter talked to him, he said, what does his, what does his life mean? My life means nothing. So what does his life mean? So he had no remorse. When we begin to understand the value and the worth that God puts on us, we begin to understand the value and worth of every single human being. Because remember we talked about a few weeks ago, snap judgments, right? We see somebody walking down the street with a hoodie, snap judgment. We see somebody doing this or that, snap judgment, right? We don't know anything about that person. We don't know what's going on, but we do know this. God says every human being has life and value. Otherwise, he would not have said, I want none to perish, because none means none. It means everybody. I want none to perish, but that all to come to repentance. So God places value on every single human being. Now here's the key. Now we know it, right? But when we begin to treat people differently, when we begin to treat people not the way that God sees them, what we're saying is we have knowledge, but we don't really believe that. Because if we believed it, our actions would line up with that. Our actions would be that we would not be so quick to judge another based on the perceived circumstances that we see. I've walked down the street at night and I've had people walk toward me and walk across the street. What is that snap judgment? Mm. Right? I'm walking down the street. He's tall. He's got black skin. Mm. Right? This is not going to be good. It's a snap judgment. But how many times do we make snap judgments? I have, to, I have to go before the Lord and repent. There are many times I'll see something, I'll make a snap judgment. And the Lord would say, you don't, know, you don't know the circumstances of that person. You don't know why that young woman had to give that child up for adoption. You don't know. You don't know the circumstances, right? So again, our beliefs, we need to really, really take a good hard look what we say we believe the same is true for people that are even closer to us than than that 
a lot of times we think we know what our partner is thinking or feeling because we know their history or we've been together for whatever, fill in the blank number of years or months. But we don't. I have a very good friend who I have known for over 40 years. Because we met before I was 16. And this friend has made a judgment, and it's a valid judgment based on my behavior and the pattern that she's seen in our relationship over years. But she doesn't know the root of it. Now, I just uncovered the root of it this year. The Lord revealed it to me. And I'm grateful that she pointed out something that was a gap in our friendship that was causing damage. And she, she, she told me this is a pattern that I see. But she thinks it's, for, it's because I'm trying to punish her. Because there was a time in our relationship where she actually took trips and she went away other places and stayed for long periods of time. And she has felt that I have been withholding stuff that's going on in my life from her because I'm punishing her for those time periods. And that's not it. Right? So we can know people very intimately. We can be married to a person. We can be in relationship with the person. And we can think we know what's going on and the why of something. But are we humble enough to ask the Lord, just like that man did, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Lord, I, I see this pattern with my friend Renee, but help me to be able to ask her in a way where it gives her the room to have conversation so that we can dialogue about it. Lord, help me to not make a snap judgment simply because I've seen this over and over, not just in our relationship, but in her relationship with others. You know, I've seen it and I understand the pattern and I can recognize it, but help me to be still graceful. Help me to give grace here when he comes home and I ask him how he's doing and his first response is, I don't want to talk about it. Because when we go back to the example of the young person who killed another human being for a pair of shoes, what do we call this class? What's this class Relational called? Care. Relational care. How many of that man's emotional needs were met? The one who did the killing. How many of his emotional needs were met from when he was a child? I can't hear you. Probably not. And it's okay for us to initially have that indignation that we experience, right? When we read about it, we hear about it, and we're like, what in the world? Why, why would you do that? That is so, it's okay to have that initial reaction. It's but, not okay to stay there. Exactly. It's exactly. not okay to stay there. Because if we realize anything is that God is a relational God and he has created us <laughs> relational beings whether you're in Christ or not. 
the world doesn't understand that they were created relational beings, but they have been. And so you see the cause and effect when a child grows up and has no relational uh, nurturing, no relational care, how would you expect that child now to grow up and have some kind of relational anything for somebody else? And so we have all this stuff going on in society and we're throwing all these programs at it and we're doing all this kind of stuff. But again, we've been created relationally. It's the same thing as in a marriage. You know, we have to, when we have relational issues going on, whether it be marriage or any other relationship, we have to have enough courage to be open and vulnerable to have a communication. When Leona and I were earlier, when we, in our uh, early marriage, most of our late marriage. <laughs> and earlier in age, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I would walk through the door, and I would see the look on Leona's face, and I would make snap judgments. Mm. She's not happy. What did I do now? Um, I better go to the back room and close the door, because it's not going to be good, right? And she hasn't said anything. She has not said a word, right? But now I've looked at her. I've got snap judgments, the snap judgments. Remember, we talk about seeds, right? So now I'm planting the seeds. What have you been doing? What kind of husband are you? What's going on, right? And so now the seeds are escalating. And so what's happening? As the seeds are escalating, I'm backing up. She doesn't have a clue as what, as what is going on with that man. All I know is he walked through the door. I turned around, looked at him, said hi. He said a little hi, shot off to the bedroom, slammed the door. So let me ask you a question to interrupt your thought. What, what's the expression on my face in the one baby picture that we have of me? The expression? What's the expression? She's not smiling. Not smiling. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Because she's not smiling, right? Now, from a relational standpoint, I could have gone, hi, Lee, how are you doing? I'm seeing something on your face that makes me believe like something's going on. Did I do something wrong? Do we have an issue going on? Right? She would say, no, I'm just, I have something on my mind, this or that, right? And what happens? Diffuses, right? Mm -hmm. But because I was not open and vulnerable enough, to come and have a conversation in a loving manner, all right? Not one of these. Well, what's going on with you today? What do you mean? What's going on with you? Right? <laughs> right? Right? So now, so now, but see, but here now, this is reality. Now, here's what's happening. There's nothing going on with her, right? I decided to come at her in a way that was not God-like, that was not Christ-like, Right? All of a sudden now we got World War Three going on. What do we have World War Three going on about? Nothing. How was your day? Right? How was your day? Now what happens if we start doing that? What happens if we do that five, six times a week? Mm. Oh. All of a sudden now we're showing up to the judge going, we have irreconcilable differences. Mm. Easy fix. Exactly. And it's real easy in those circumstances to say, well, that's it. Every time I try, all I get is. 
Which, so yeah. It's, it's, it's a constant back and forth mm -hmm. of willing to make ourselves vulnerable and taking the responsibility when someone is vulnerable with us mm -hmm. to not just go, <laughs> and, you know, shoot them down, but offer a place of safety where we can just listen mm -hmm. and not, yeah, well, you didn't do this again, you didn't do that again, and I'm tired of all this, and, uh, but to, to just listen and express our own self in a safe way as well. Exactly. And that goes right back to what is it that we believe that God says about us? Mm -hmm. Because if in fact we believe what God says about us for ourselves and we take the next step of giving that same grace to this other individual, right? Just just give them that room. I mean, yeah, we, we do say in this country that we believe that you are innocent until proven otherwise, mm -hmm. okay? Can we, as the body of Christ, adopt that in grace? Mm -hmm. Can I yeah. give you that grace? It, it has to be more than just a saying, though. No, that's what I'm saying. We, we say we believe that, but yeah. I'm asking the body of Christ and, that's in this room within the sound of my voice to take it beyond just what is said to now adopt that and go back to what does God say about me and what does God mean when he says anything he upholds his what higher than his what his word right and his name those are the two blanks he both are held in really high esteem by God and, but this is why, again, we come back to the work on ourselves has to be so critical. Because in that scenario that I talked about with Leona, I would have had to do enough work in myself, right? I would have had to be in a place in myself that I could be able to come out and express to her what I needed to express to her in a loving way. That means that there's a lot of work that I had to do on myself, right? Because the old self would have come out and go, well, what's going on in your face? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, again, when you're talking about relationship, because, again, this really doesn't even have to do with Leona. Because Leona may come off and, like Jean said, she may fire 15 things That's off right. and blah, blah, blah. And you, you always and you and never. You always, yeah. Right? I still got, I have to be responsible for me. Because, see, I can't let that mini explosion that might happen if I came in love to go, oh, now, I'm throwing the love out. I'm throwing Jesus out here. It's on now. We're, gonna, we're going for it. Right? I can't do that. I have to have done enough work in myself to say, okay, Lord, help me to breathe, stay calm. Help me to help us work through this. Right? That's the work that I had to do. Right? Just like the Lord's impressing on her the work that she has to do. And so when we come together, it's the spirit of the Lord in both of us because we've been doing this work that helps us do this work. Jean? Yeah, no, I just said you good. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate that. I don't know, things are clicking. It's, it's really good. Um, comparing the young man that killed someone else for his shoes. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about this years ago at your house. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of came to the conclusion that more, more than likely, if that young man had a father figure in his life at all, he didn't, he didn't, 
express into his son figure mm -hmm. value, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. he had no value here. Mm -hmm. so you're not going to have any value for anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, society, I was about to say government, society seems like they're really willing to throw people in prison mm -hmm. rather than have prayer in school. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, no. You know, head this stuff off before it's a problem. Yeah. Um, and what you're describing, doing our own work, mm -hmm. just you know, me and Daddy getting alone. Forgive me, ladies. It's the only term I got. Man up. Mm -hmm. Woman up. Mm -hmm. Have the courage to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Honey, I, I feel like something's going on. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Rather than this is yeah. what it is, I'm out. But I love what, judge. yes, but I love what Gene said because what Gene said earlier is very important. We'll get into this in a few weeks down the road. We live in a society that those things are not modeled anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? They aren't modeled. And so you have generation after generation after generation that doesn't model what um, relationship is supposed to look like, what nurturing is supposed to look like, what care is supposed to look like, what mercy is supposed to look like, what grace is supposed to look like. You might as well go out and be speaking Greek because they're going to be like, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. Okay? But those of us that have the spirit, those of us that have the connection, it is our responsibility to model that to those that do not. In all our relationships, actually. It is our responsibility to do that because here's the thing. How can I expect anybody to show mercy that has never been shown mercy? Come on now. <laughs> How can I expect somebody to understand what grace is if they have never seen grace modeled? It's why all these are being done in our lives so that we can go out and we can model that. Because really, that's what evangelism is. If I'm going out into the world and I'm modeling grace and humility, and those virtues that God has implanted in us, and people say, what is it that's making you different? Because all of us are right now up in arms, but you're not up in arms. As a matter of fact, you're encouraging. You're showing mercy. You're showing these things. Why? What is it? Right? Isn't that the hands and feet of Jesus? I mean, I know we talk about the hands and feet of Jesus going out and doing stuff like compassion and things like that. And yes, right? That is. But you have is, but that's not exactly. That's not all of it. Because wherever God has planted you, you are a minister in that place. Just a quick point. Uh, I'm really, uh, when you talked about walking down that street and having that person uh, across the street. Uh, dealing with those things, I have dealt with them, you know, most of my life, still at times. 
But I, I've learned that that person has had an experience. Mm. Mm. I've learned mm. that maybe that person did walk by that person and that person was love, it, or whatever. Either that or they or TV has warped yeah. their yeah. experience. But my, my, my standing my stand in that, and, and you just used it as far as the hands and feet of Jesus, uh, a lot of times we, what I've learned coming up when I first came, and I think last week you talked about, you know, now that I got Jesus, everything is hunky-dory. I don't have to deal with those past things. There's consequences to everything we've done in life. Mm -hmm. Consequences ain't always that I need to go and spend time in prison or whatever. Mm -hmm. Consequences is that I, because I did it that way and didn't have a model to show me that that way wasn't right, mm -hmm. now when now there's time to connect, I don't have that experience. I'm saying that to say about in society about young men. I know men today, young men, that lives are saved because someone come up to them mm -hmm. and say hi. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. They never had a father figure. Mm -hmm. I never had a father figure. But it was somebody that came to me and said, Johnny, I see good in you. Mm -hmm. Even though I went off and did what I did, mm -hmm. that has stuck with me. It came back to me when I was all alone. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that people, you know, because like you said, we give people spiritual things, they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. It's a practical thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. How you doing, young man? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let me help you with that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They go way far better than That's right. to be absent from the body is to be present with mm -hmm. the Lord. I don't understand that. Right, right, right. Come where I am. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's what we have to be as a society, as exactly. Christians. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. When I make that mistake, go back and say, man, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when they hear Christians, oh, you got everything together. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because that's what carries and it goes a long time, mm -hmm. a long ways. Mm -hmm. And 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 then in turn, the grace you was talking about, mm -hmm. it comes natural now. Yeah. You give it. Yeah. Because you understand such a once was I. Yes. Right where that young man is. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing about what you're sharing, uh, Johnny, to take this in the direction that the Holy Spirit has led you is uh Sometimes we don't know when we are expressing grace, when we are actually speaking to the witness of the Holy Spirit that's already been deposited in that individual. We, we, we don't recognize it. And I'll give you an example. I pulled up at Smart and Final a few weeks ago and parked beside this car where I didn't see that there was a, a passenger in the car, but the music was really loud. I thought, well, that's odd. They, they left their music on and went on into the store, but no, there was a passenger in the car and it was, I'm sorry, I, I introduced my child to hip hop, okay? But that was back in the day when there was funny and, you know, Sugar it was, Hill, it, thank you, Sugar Hill, we weren't, we weren't cursing people out, right. you know, yeah. we weren't. We weren't belittling uh, women. Yeah, exactly, so stuff. I don't have an issue, you know, with hip hop or rap music. Um, 
But I do when every other word out of your mouth is something that is just like. So I'm yeah. sitting there in my car. I pulled in and I'm like, oh. I mean, you, you know, everything in me, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of. So I just park and the guy winds down his window and he says, turns down his music and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry, man. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I hadn't said a word. I had not said anything. I had not stared into the car. I wasn't looking for who had parked in the car. But immediately conviction fell upon him. And I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no better. My first instinct was to pass judgment on people in that car. Why would you fill your mind with that? Why would you think that about women? Why, you know, all those types of things. And immediately that man started to apologize. The Holy Spirit that hit him hit me. And I was humbled. I was humbled. Because it's like, God, you are already working. This, this is... You know what? God bless him. Bless him because you are moving in his life. I don't know who told him about Jesus. I don't know who taught him to respect somebody with a little bit of gray hair in it, in their heads. Somebody did. Somebody had sown a seed along the way that he's going to reap the harvest of because he's going to allow that to be watered in his heart. God wants us to know who we are in him. Not so we can walk with our chest out and go, well, I'm better than that person because I'm in God. (laughs) But so he can make us relatable. So that the scripture that we know becomes the scripture that we drink and eat from and it changes who we are and how we come off to other people. So when God says, to you that you are a friend of Jesus, will you begin to believe it? Will you allow him to help you move the rocks, the lies, the obstacles that separate you from accepting that because you still want to believe that you're nothing but a slave of God? Because, yeah, the Bible does call us servants of God. In some translations, the word slaves. But he said, no longer do I call you slaves when his mother and his brothers came for him he said these are my brothers and my mother those who hear the word of God and and do them and he wasn't saying Mary isn't my mother and Joseph wasn't my brother and he was simply saying that you too are in the family of God now are you really in the family of God part of being really in the family of God is believing that you are and that you can be that close and I I really I just want to adjure you guys we had a a a a, um, a guest here last week right from Israel that ministered with pastor and he's a Jewish person. He's not, he doesn't believe in Christ. But his background is the heritage from which we get our faith. There are people that worship Christ as Messianic Jews or 
Christians who honor their Hebraic background, right? So they just celebrated the head of the year in September. The head of the year is technically, and Yoav brought it out, is the new year for them. This is the year 5780 in the Jewish calendar. Do you know what marks the next 10 years? It's going to be our mouths. Because they write their words similarly to the way Chinese with characters. The character that describes the next 10 years, 5780, 5781, 5782, 57 is the mouth. When we determine that we are going to agree with what God says in his word and we're going to walk by that there is a special anointing that goes with that anyway but what more for the years that are crowned by what we begin to declare we have been given an opportunity to change some things that we say about ourselves that we say about the world, that we say about the church, that we say about our relationships by changing what we are believing here in our hearts and what we are speaking out of our mouths. Because God has told us words have power. Let me give you just a little bit of what this, um, this, um, Inside, this prophet had said, inside of our mouths are the houses of anointing, the miraculous. And inside of our mouths, in agreement with the book of James, we can kindle a fire. This tongue can cause wars or it can bring blessing. We get to decide how we're going to use it. And we get to determine whether or not we're willing to partner with God and have him help us move those rocks that keep us from seeing what he says about who we are out of the way. So we, we have a lot of scriptures we could share with you about what God says about who you are, but you can go on your own journey and find that out. If you want to know more or you want resources, we can help you with that. And we will continue next week with some more of these things that God says about who we are. Because this is a journey. But with that, because of time, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time. And uh, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you because you said that we shall know the truth mm -hmm. and the truth shall set us free. Jesus, we thank you for that word because Lord, we can be set free on so many different levels, free to worship you, free to be the people that you call us to be free to walk in the abundant life, free to speak life, Lord, into our marriages and our relationships, free Lord, to speak life into our children, free to speak life, Lord, into our workplaces, our communities, Free, Lord, to be the people that you will call us to be, no longer hindered by any change, no longer hindered by the lies, Lord, that we have been given by society and others that we believe. 
we can be free of all those sins, Lord, because you said the truth and your word is truth. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that became flesh and came down and, Lord, died for our sins on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Lord, may we take this deep into our heart. May this, just, may this be more than just an hour session. May this be a paradigm shift. May we not see our lives. May we not see Jesus. May we not see the Lord the same way. May we see the value of the word, the value of speaking the word, what we have in Jesus, the authority that we have in yes. Jesus, the life that we have in Jesus, the freedom and the life to go into others' worlds and change their destinies and their outcomes because we because of the life-giving word given to us yes. that we now can carry that life-giving word to others. We just thank you for what an awesome gift, what a remarkable God you are. And we just bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.